You were called to make the world brighter, to run on the front lines, to cast vision where it had not yet landed. You were not gifted to be a random burst of energy, but a consistent force that enables the world to hear beauty, see potential, and write stories in a way that points the world to Jesus. Provoke and inspire. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Uh, we are sadly not on location, in location. I don't even know. Is it on, David? Is it in? What is it? I think it's between locations. <laughs> We're not between yes. locations. Uh, yes, I am in a location. I'm in a location. We are not so. hovering and in so the ether. You. Yeah, yeah. So we are technically, we're just not in the same place, is what I'm trying to say in an overly complex <laughs> way. Uh, Chad currently has a head cold, uh, so you can just imagine he's all mucus covered and, I don't know, with his feet up and covered in tea and honey. I think what I heard is that that uh, Beth wrapped him up in some kind of oily thing, cloth or something. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Why but... did you trail off so much? Finish, well, finish mean, strongly, will you? He's wrapped up in an oily cloth. <laughs> well, anyway, so it's just uh, the, the, the triad of truth, as I call us. David, <laughs> Luke, and myself. Uh, did we just lose Luke? Uh, anyway so while we waver kippy to get luke back on because we're going to go with this being real live radio we are we are david tell us what you've been doing lately what have i been doing lately? well i i don't know i i uh i was in a uh well okay don't say one of your random you got to save your random no i yeah i mean all right so i was with jody yesterday And uh, we are really, yeah. really munted, but I thought we have to go get something to eat. So this is like a pre-random story uh, so, while we got uh, you back on, Luke. But welcome so, back. so we okay. went, we went somewhere to get something to eat, and, and guess what happened? You got accused of being a woman again. Yeah, the, the waitress goes. So what are you ladies? What are you ladies going to order? <laughs> now you know, I I thought it was because I because you know what did that happen to me some some time ago? I mean, not that long. I mean, it was because I had on my my. Uh, my black, uh, you know, these black jeans that I look quite quite good in, but uh, but I didn't have, you know, but I had my, my I didn't have those on uh, last night, and the waitress still said, "So what are you girls going to order?" And again, I, I I didn't know if I should if I should correct her or if I should just so I, I just went along with it. Yeah, well, I'm glad to <laughs> but, see but that your confidence me, is unshaken. But it made me think of Luke. Just in, just <laughs> well, in, no, because now, remember, I remember when we first met Luke, and he he looked he he was like very he had that long flowing hair, and it was he'd walk and it'd be like flowing well, behind I don't, him. I don't remember because I had good hair. I Luke, had good hair. Luke was, was sixteen, and so was I. So I was probably like not even know, paying attention. I was gooning around, right, probably on a right, skateboard, right. drinking energy drinks, laughing, yeah, but I've, pushing but people into the bushes. Now, see, no, I haven't been. Now, accused. I must say, David, though, what? that you know, I've, nobody's ever confused me with a woman, though. Even when I had that hair, <laughs> I'd have girls come up to me and ask me which shampoo I used, uh-huh. but they wouldn't yeah. think I was a girl, though. Well, all I know is it seems like the older I get, the more that happens. So I don't know. I must must be that new face cream. I'm... You know what? I say go with it. 
I say roll with it. Well, you know, if you would think I would at least get free desserts or something, (laughs) right? That's what I was going to ask actually. If you got anything special, you know, because of it, because then it would be worthwhile. I know, no, but so far it has not. uh, Alas, it has not come true. Anyway, so moving on from that, we are the Provoke and Inspire podcast. This is the instant reaction edition, and uh, basically we try to interact with things that are happening in our world, uh, and it seems to be a lot of crazy, sad things, to be honest, uh, but that is what we do in, in the hopes that it would provoke and inspire and, and bring the uh, radical Jesus-following perspective into the midst of the chaos, uh, and so that is what we're hoping to do here. Again, we are looking for more uh, come-and-live artists, for artists who have a, a heart to reach people outside of the church, uh, and so if this is you, I keep saying this, but it's so important that if you feel like you resonate with the things that we're talking about. If you feel like God has called you not to go the conventional road or the conventional path, but to use your gifts in a serious way like this that we're talking about in a way that is fruitful, uh, then I really just encourage you to go to comeandlive.com, uh, find out what it is to be a come and live artist and, and sign up and apply and, and be part of what we're doing. Uh, but for now, David's again, I'm, I get to be in person with David, so I get to see his sort of frustration as I ramble on and he waits to tell his story that has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. But here we go. David's random story. So anyway, uh, back in the day I had this guitarist. Um, he actually lives in Norway now and has a, I don't know what he's doing, but Brian was my guitarist back in the day in Amsterdam. And I had this little, we were on tour and this, this girl was with us and she had a, a pet mouse and uh, so we were in this this crowded van. You have a lot of rodent themed stories, but carry on. <laughs> well, no, but, but anyway, so she had this. Well, it was because of the punk days, probably. But anyway, so we're in this yeah. van, and it was packed with with gear and everything. And uh, Pauline, that's the girl, and she's going, "My mouse! I can't find my mouse!" And you know, we're like, you know, <laughs> she's like oh, freaking out because we were like loading, we were like unloading all this gear out of the van. She's like, "Where's my mouse? Where's my mouse?" And we're like. I don't know, man. So we're like looking around for the mouse. And then Brian, my guitarist, he like lifts up the amp and he goes, oh, there he is. And he's like, like kind of like chirping or whatever, you know, like, because he was kind of like the first, like like halfway kind of smashed. (laughs) I just love how the most basic descriptions defy you. So then. So, like, so Pauline's like, oh, my mouse, what are we going to do now? And Brian goes, I know. And he stopped him. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, we are not making friends with the animal lovers so, out there in our world. So then, <laughs> so then uh, anyway, so that she, that was kind of, she was not happy about that. And, and her little Twinkie or her little mouse was, uh, her little Twinkie? Yeah, it was no David's <laughs> random story. Oh, man. I, uh, so, so, you so wait, I need uh, to understand, okay. though. Was yeah. was the mouse half crushed already by the amp? So that like, so he was just being kind, right? Was it an act mouse? of mercy as well? Well, Luke see, first of all, if you're going to bring a pet mouse on tour, you got to keep track of him. You can't be blaming the band yeah. if he gets loose. You know, I so, agree. So he probably went on a mission in the van looking for food, something like that. And then when we were moving the gear out of the van, like some ampage got put on on him and like decompressed part of his body. And so he was just doing a, the merciful thing. What were we supposed to do at that point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I for one am, am it's re- a good thing you had army boots on or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I for one am relieved that we've kind of moved beyond the era where people brought rats and I don't know ferrets and different things like that on tour and around <laughs> what we're doing. You th- really? They don't do that uh, anymore, do they? I don't know. What, I don't know. That would be fun. It would make tour more interesting, I think. Well, it'd certainly add to David's random story. Anyway, so there you have it, David's random story. Uh, still brought to you by nothing, but entertaining nonetheless. So uh, what we'll be doing now is the Revolutionary Recap. Revolutionary Recap. And uh, in which we basically continue to bring our principles to the forefront, not because they're our man-made methodology, but really it's the heart uh, behind Provoke and Inspire. Uh, it's principles that, that David put together in a book called Revolutionary, uh, and it, it you know the tagline is, you know, these principles will help Christian artists, will empower them to change the world for Jesus. And I really do believe that's true. Uh, if you haven't read Revolutionary, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, you can go on steiger.org, um, and there you will find resources including Revolutionary, and you can read that, and it'll really inspire you uh, as a Christian artist. Uh, but every week, every Instant Reaction podcast, we want to continue to bring to the forefront uh, one of these principles, so that is a consistent message that we bring. Uh, and this week's uh, Revolutionary Recap is is the principle, no cross, no power. So without setting it up too much, David, do you want to hit us with with the heart behind that principle? Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, that he preached Christ and him crucified so that people would not be convinced by human wisdom, but by God's power. And so I think the principle is, if you want to see God's power in your art, you need to bring the cross into your art. Yeah, And it's not just about, you know, I think a lot of, sometimes we don't really understand that, so we just kind of have the cliche of the cross, or, you know, a piece of jewelry or just this kind of cliche of it. And so we really need to understand what the cross is, just how much it shows how how angry God is about injustice, how much he cares for us, the extent of his love, uh, what it meant for, for God himself to send part of his, himself to the earth to rescue us. And when we understand this, and we can we can demonstrate this in our art, God's power comes. And so that's really the, the principle. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to more artists and bands really digging into this because I, right. I think that um, there's there's not enough people really um, working into this more more deeply. I think that often when we say you know have the cross in your art, that's the power of God, the message of the cross. Then people immediately think uh, of you know painting a cross or, or that kind of thing. And and there's so much like David was just describing. There's so much to understand about Jesus's sacrifice for us. And I think that art would be an awesome way to really bring that out. So I'd love to see all across all art modalities, you know, like painters and sculptures and and, theater and different people just going more deeply into different themes related to the yeah. cross and bringing that in a powerful way to, um, you know, to to media today to, to really infiltrate um, the pop culture with, with themes related to, to Jesus' sacrifice and what and how that, you know, really brings change. You know, and an interesting thing as well is I've also often seen stuff like that coming out even in secular art and, and media. People will often relate to sacrifice that brings life or, you know, there are themes yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of point to the cross in some way. But as Christians, we could just go so much deeper and really point to it in a clear way. And I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I was meeting with a professor uh, at Wheaton College and uh, he's a Basically, his area of expertise was Tolkien. No, <laughs> Tolkien. C.S. Lewis, similar genre, different yeah. person. Uh, and he basically talked about that there, so often that is the story that's being told over and over and over again, even outside of the church, is 
we have a problem that we can't fix. We look to some outside thing that could come in and, and basically sacrifice itself so that we could have freedom from this evil. And and that story has been told forever. I mean, you you still see that told in Hollywood today. And so I think that's interesting, like you said, is that we have this deep impression inside of us of the need for the cross. Uh, and yet as artists, yeah. Christian artists, we seem to shy away from it. Like it's this antiquated thing. Oh, it's not going to be relevant. It's absolutely relevant. It's the story that that Hollywood has been capitalizing on forever. Uh, and so I think we need to understand that there's power, like Paul says, in the cross and, and to the point where he said he preached nothing else but the cross. Uh, and I think we need to find new creative ways of, of demonstrating that in our art. Yeah. All right. So we are now moving on uh, to the current event portion of what we're doing. And uh, Question one. First question we want to look at today is is a pretty sad situation, actually. And it's... It's not so current in the sense that this happened very recently as as in the last few days, but I do think it's current in that it uh it it speaks to a, a place that that we're heading as a society as it relates to to love and sexuality and so uh, I'll just let this set it up. Addicted to your smartphone? Well, that's nothing compared to this. How about sex robots with artificial intelligence or a woman engaged to a robot? Do I have your attention now? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, she has my attention. Yes. Um, man, this this is a you know this this specific little intro comes from a, a larger piece uh, that was done on CNN that that talks about this woman in France that's engaged uh, to marry a robot, uh, and and the it's called Mostly Human for those that are interested. Um, and essentially, it you know she looks into the mentality or or the you know the the justification or the heart behind this and she brings on various people that talk about it some are you know she certainly seems to come at it from a little bit of a how can this be a little bit shocked but a lot of the people that she has on are very much saying no what's what's the problem here why why could you not love a robot like you like a human being if we can just customize it would they not ultimately make better partners better lovers uh and it it, it man it is a is a pretty tragic thing look what do you think kind of is what does it say about the place that we're at what has led us down this crazy road i don't know i think it's like <laughs> probably the end of the road you know we've we've just taken yeah. things apart pull, pulled things apart so much um you know the th- what what is love the understanding of what love is we've just deconstructed that you know you start with things like well you don't have to be fully committed to somebody for your whole life so first you know pulling apart marriage and then, you know, you bring, well, it doesn't really matter who you're with and you can be with different people and many people. And then you get to this point where it doesn't even have to be a person. You could be with a robot and that's all cool. So I think it's just keep it's when we keep going down that road of um, being, you know, of, of loneliness, of meaninglessness, of, of forgetting um not not having any reference of, of what's right, of what's wrong, of what love is, of, of what makes sense, and, and of becoming very kind of self-centered. I guess this is the, the kind of the pinnacle of being self-centered in a sense, because you, you're really not giving yourself even to anybody at all. It's, it's, it's all about you, really. I mean, I think being with a thing, you know, an object like a robot is, is being very, it's just, yeah, it's just trying to find satisfaction without having to relate to anybody, to a human being. So it's really well, sad and hard to understand, I think. Well, and it's when love has been made into taking, you know, you, it's like what, what you know, it's, it's presented like, okay, what, what are you going to give to me? So it's, it's like, 
And then, so what am I get? What is she going to give to me? And and she's thinking, what am I going to take from him? And then when you run out, when you feel like you're not getting enough from that person, then you 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 split up, and you find somebody else. And so now, like you said, Luke, it's not even about that anymore. I think it's just it's just narcissism at its at its worst. I think it's I think it's narcissism for sure, but I think it's also just the intense loneliness that people feel. And that that we have we have such an incredibly broken world. I mean, just take take the more compassionate road for a second. Yeah, it's. I think it is. Some people are like, I like. I read a book called Alone Together um, by Cheryl Turkle. I think is her last name. Unfortunately for her, uh, but basically, <laughs> that, that's terrible. I mean, what's oh, man, <laughs> Turkle? Did Nigel tell you to say that? Taking making fun of people's surnames well you know she's a she's a professor at mit so she's doing just fine uh but anyway she she interviews thousands of people that and she talks about the social implications of technology and she looks at a lot of ai and robotics you know and there certainly are people she interviewed that that very plainly say i just prefer this robot this robot doesn't expect anything from me this robot does what i want and it's never going to leave me but then you hear that side of it it's never going to leave me and I think it's birthed out of an intense brokenness that, that yeah. people yeah. have been so abused. They have been so abandoned. They have been so rejected. You know, our world creates these impossible standards for men and women, and, and many people don't fit within those standards, and so they're completely lonely right. and isolated. And and I guess some love is better than no love in their mind. Well, is that why do you think some people you know, have oh, such oh, close relationships with their cats and stuff? Oh, I thought you were going to say something about Nigel. No, I... I, (laughs) No, what were you going to say about Nigel? Well, what if he's a robot? No, no, no. Nigel's not a robot. Okay, well, you can't be sure. But yeah, see, now I'm all thrown off. Sorry, no, but I think that's why you'll see people who are so in love with their pets for the same reason, because it won't let you down. And I think the world, when the world lies to me and tells me that I can just have these casual relationships with sex, it's like taking my my heart out and putting it on the on the table, and the people are smashing it all the time, and so I get more and more defensive and lonely, and so maybe that's why people think, well, at least the robot won't let me down. It's, I mean, where do you go from here? It's just yeah. it's nuts. It's like I don't yeah. even know what the next thing would be. Yeah, and 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 to to without going too deep into this, because the the heart of this is a little bit to react, not on a surface level, but we can obviously spend hours and hours talking about this. But I feel like. This is where a lot of the the negative um, characteristic or, or attributes of our culture today can also you can also see the opportunity for the gospel in that. So there is an intense loneliness. So what do people need? They need authentic relationships, you know. And so we yeah. can say, okay, yeah, of course you can kind of make fun of this, and it seems ridiculous. But I think people are incredibly lonely, and and they're dying, and they're, they're turning to artificial intelligence. They're turning to you know virtual reality. Not necessarily because most of them choose that compared to this wealth of other options. They choose that because they have no other options. Right, right. Because yeah. fake community is better than no community. And so I guess the response should be, first of all, that our hearts should break for this. And then our, our second response should be, you know, once God really breaks our heart, is to say, how do we as Christians engage with people and establish authentic relationships? I think we so often overcomplicate what uh, reaching out can look like, when so often what it looks like is just be a real friend, be real community to, to people around you that, you know, don't listen to the lie that everybody's okay and everyone has got, you know, great deep relationships and good community, when, when statistically, very few people at all have real authentic relationships. And it's why... 
they're turning to things like robots and virtual reality and, and these whole online worlds because for many of them, they have no other options. So I think as Christians, we need to ask ourselves, how can we engage in authentic community? Yeah, and we were talking about this at the Steiger Gathering we just uh, had. And uh, it's interesting to think about the fact that a few years ago, people or, you know, there's this thing I've, I've heard people say where you can't talk about sin and repentance. It's hard to talk about repentance and salvation because people, you're offering them a remedy to a disease they don't know they have. They don't realize right. they're sick. They don't realize sin. And I feel like with things like this and observing that, I think you're right, Ben, that people are at this point of, of real deep loneliness. And I think that understanding that, we, we can become aware that now's a time when people really are aware of their need. They're aware right. of, of their disease. They might not call it sin, but they're aware that there's something deeply wrong. And I think more than ever, people are open to the gospel, to hear truth, to and like you said, to 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 you know understand through us demonstrating through relationships as well what love really is, and and yeah. uh, and and would be open to coming back to to hearing you know some sound truth. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next one because we could go on forever. Question two. Uh, this one, to be honest, as I kind of look through the list, they're all interconnected in in a way. Uh, and this next one, next one is is man, it's it's just hard to even believe. Uh, there is a, a theologian and a pastor, a preacher um, out there named Dr. Jeff Hood, uh, and he recently came out um, with a, a blog that essentially was affirming uh, the polyamor lifestyle, uh, saying that this is something that that actually more truly reflects God's love uh, and God's design for us. And, and for those of you that are unfamiliar with this, let me just give you the definition here real quick. Um, it's, it's the practice of, or desire to have intimate relationships with more than one partner with the knowledge of all the partners. It is described as consensual, ethical, and responsible non-monogamy. Yuck. Um, essentially that's what this, this movement is. And it's very relevant because we were just recently, I mean, not me personally, but David, you can kind of explain how this has just recently come up and then we can kind of interact with this. Yeah. Well, Jody, my wife, Jody was in Madrid. Uh, Well, we were both there actually, but she was talking with a girl there who was talking about how this has become kind of the norm in her, with her friends, this holy polyamor thing. So it's very relevant for those who are thinking, and then how we, oddball is this? Yeah, and then we talked to some some guys here in Minneapolis who said the same thing. It's it's a it's something that's happening all over the place. But basically, she was she was buying into this whole thing. So one night she'd be with a guy, the next night she'd be with a girl, then back with a guy again, and 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 as a not not as a believer, but she was just saying it was like her her her. She described it like she was being ripped apart. Literally, yeah. like like her, she was just being ripped apart by it, and it made her aware of the spiritual condition, emptiness that she had, and that she needed to know God. And actually, it was this is part of what made her want to find Jesus, what made her give her life to Jesus, which she did uh, when we were in Madrid. But uh, but uh, you know, it's really uh, I think this idea that spirit that uh, sex is is just it's just something that we can have on a casual basis. Uh, you know, like it says in First Corinthians six eighteen that that's when we when we sin sexually, we're actually sinning against our own body, and I think it's because it's not it's a it's such a spiritual thing that God created when with with sex. It's not just something we can just share casually as with many people as we want, but it there's there it's it's a very spiritual thing, and I think that's what's been lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I agree. It's weird, isn't it? It's kind of not so much a 
a new thing. If I mean, no. it's funny. Like the, one of the blogs that we're you know we were looking at an article um, on polyamor is called Hippie Heretic, and I feel like it really is kind of just a continuation of the whole hippie movement with uh, free love from the 70s. It seems to even go back to that in a sense, like um, the whole thing of, of free love, of um, be with anybody you want and all that. It just seems like that. They've given it a new name and maybe maybe made it more intense, but it seems to be a continuation from that. Well, I think it's, it is more intense because it was – you're supposed to be kind of loyal to your girlfriend or whatever, but and it didn't cross gen, genders like, not, like it is yeah. now. I mean, there, there's there's two there's two aspects of this. I, I think the first one relates a little bit to the last one we were talking about, which is this is clearly this sort of uh, you know even in that description it sounds so noble, doesn't it? Consensual, ethical, and responsible. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, it, it's the it seems like this perfect marriage for you know non pun intended this marriage of selfishness and a desire for real love. You know, it's like how do I how do I combine my selfishness to want to be able to have as many sexual partners as I want and do what I want, but I also want this deep connection. And it seems to have created this this monster that that even this girl, as as you were talking about, was yeah. describing. She was saying it's like you can only pull so many threads out of a out of a cloth before the whole thing just unravels. And every time you give yourself, even in this ethical, consensual, responsible nonsense, even as you do that, you're like tearing at yourself until eventually you realize there's nothing left. And this was an incredibly insightful, sad description from someone who's not, you know, not been in the church. Um the other the other aspect of it, and, and this is probably too much of a tangent, but you know, we, we talked about the Nashville statement not that long ago. And what is the need? Is there a need for sort of this definitive statement? And man, when you hear someone who who claims to follow Jesus, who claims to to represent the Bible, and again, I I, I don't know this guy personally, and and it's the the more the point I'm trying to make is how do we how do we work within a framework where there is there's no rules, there's no it's like there you almost need to have a statement so that we can clearly define what we perceive as truth because this is crazy if someone is impressionable or not rooted in scripture i mean how can you how can you how do you respond to to the growing reality that basically you can just believe anything and call yourself a christian i guess that's what i would say no i just i think actually the how david started off is the key to it which is you know he's quoting scripture and just going back to scripture and, and we just have to keep doing that I mean, there's an element, there's a relational element here where, of course, we're needing to model to people a different way of living and helping them to see um, that there's another way and, and, and th- that is rooted in truth. But then eventually we need to be going back to Scripture and, and being able to show people um, what it really says and, 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 how, and how we can understand that today. And I think the Bible um, is very clear about sexuality. It's, it's very clear about how it considers it a holy thing, how, you know, they were just talking there about the body being the temple of the Holy Spirit and and how sexual sin um, is destructive. I think, you know, thinking of Genesis and just how the, the parameters in which God set um, sexual relationship and, 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 and the whole idea of commitment and a covenant with, with each other. You know, Bible talks a lot about this, this long-term commitment, or this eternal commitment of God's people to God, and then this, this lifelong commitment of a man to his wife. And the, all these things that we see throughout Scripture, we need to keep going back to those and, and talking about them and showing how they're so crucial to, to have a, a life that, that, that has meaning and that is free and that is full of 
you know, of health and joy and all these yeah. things. I mean, that's what that's what law was for. That's what God's law was all about. It wasn't to control or to limit. It was to give real life and to, yeah, exactly. to give a basis for us to, to find freedom in. Yeah, and it feels as though all these sort of um, expressions that are outside of what you'd consider a, you know, traditional view of the Bible, it, it feels like they're they're always rooted in this sense of freedom or this sense of inclusion, and it's just such a misunderstanding of the gospel. And this isn't freedom, this is destruction. You know, and in the whole idea of, uh, you know, these following these principles, whether it has to do with sexuality or whatever it is, when you follow God's principles, that's when you become free. And uh, the people want truth today i think my experience is that they're they're hungry to be told hey this is the truth and that, that conversation with the girl was evident yeah right? i mean she was yeah. basically saying yeah a lot of my friends affirm this and we do this but man it's it's destroying us exactly and and so people are hungry to think that there's a compass that there's a there's a way out yeah and so i think if i think if if this points out to anything is we need to be telling people the truth and not believe this lie that people don't want to hear the truth I find that to be not true at all. In fact, I think people are more hungry than ever to hear that there's that there's truth, and and uh, and when you can tell people that Jesus gave us a way to to have life and principles to live by uh, that set us free, actually, they want it. Most people, when they when they start to understand that the freedom that Jesus really offers, they want it. Yeah, but we just need to tell them. And I th- and I think it, in some ways it's easier to relate to people that. Um, are coming from that that secular or relativistic mindset um, because they're in that place where they often have started to realize that it's very hard to live like that and there's, they recognize that need like we are just talking about in the previous theme. But it's kind of weird, you know, engaging in dialogue, for instance, with some of these Christians who are trying to defend that. And I think this is, obviously, this is extremes. You know, there aren't that many Christians out there defending polyamore. But I think that this particular one, um, the you know the preacher you mentioned, and then the the, the author of of this blog we've looked at, and there are a few others as well out there saying this. But they'll go to scripture, and this is a thing that I think is important to state because people can get confused on this. They'll go to scripture and they'll they'll mention things, but it's there's there's a very clear um, adding on of things. I mean, even in in some of the stuff that. They'll try to they'll try to use certain verses and then they'll they'll twist them and say yeah it's talking about polyamor here and I think that it's it that makes it harder you know when when you're trying to talk to Christians who are trying to use the Bible to defend something like this it it's uh, yeah it's I mean it you'd have to get into the pa- I'd have to get into the passages here to explain the differences but it's just um, in some ways it's easier to talk to non Christians exactly that, like you said David they're hungry for for truth and and if we're able to show that in a clear way and then and then exemplify it as well. It, I think that's what people are looking for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to the next one. Question three. So the next one, we'll try to, well, I was going to say it's going to be a little lighter uh, because these have been pretty heavy topics, but there this really isn't that light if you think about the heart behind it. Uh, there's an article that came out that says the U.S. labor force is being depleted by young men playing video games and not working. <laughs> Uh, I'd imagine this is a global problem, and, and again, these all seem to sort of fall under the category of of purpose and and, and technology, and it kind of seems to there seems to be a unity here. But uh, <laughs> I guess I mean I don't know what do we think about that? It seems like a a sad thing, and and the study goes on to say that also there's a huge rise in young men living in in with their parents, uh, <laughs> presumably in their basements. Um, so, which is a very Minnesota thing. But anyway, David, what's behind this? What's the heart of this? Wait, 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 wait. You didn't do, you didn't do question three. 
well, I I don't have question three, and so I I was like faking it, and then and then Kippy's gonna add it later because for some reason, <laughs> question three. Although that we did last time do one two and then skip to four, but uh, David. Okay, well I oh, think no. uh, all right. I I think one of the reasons is when you don't have a mission, yeah. And that we were created to have a mission. We weren't created just to to eat ice cream all day and to to entertain ourselves. We were created to have a mission. And when you take that away, when you take away the idea of significance, then you just have to entertain yourself. Yeah. And, and I think that that's part of the, re- the reason for that. I don't know yeah, what you guys well, think. Yeah, th- well, there's been this lost ideal that life should just, it's going to be hard work. You, yeah. you you go to work, you provide for your family. It doesn't have to be easy. You know, how many times as a teenager did I roll my eyes like, oh, they call it work for a reason. You know, that kind of one of those. I make you sound like this weird 1950s dad, like Red Foreman from that 70s show. But who said that? I don't think you ever said that. I heard <laughs> oh. that somewhere. Oh. <laughs> We're not paying to heat the outside. You know, that's when I, you leave the I, door I open. I don't remember this Yeah, that's a different that one too. But anyway, so, you know, it's one of those things where there was this expectation that, that life wasn't going to be easy in that sense. Yeah, but easy is not satisfying. Well, that, I was getting to my well, point. Well, get to your point. My point... <laughs> <laughs> my point is that people are... Now, it's like, man, why why not just play video games? You know, and yeah, if, if I there's can, no purpose. If yeah. there's no purpose, and if the purpose is not just this... Well, I I my I live to to provide and sort of this weird, you know, it's for for the next generations, it's posterity, you know. I'm just mm-hmm, going to live mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to pay bills and and then raise kids. And if that's now we're getting to the point where we're questioning everything in those traditional structures. Exactly. And and why not live in this fantasy world? I mean, it's it's far more fulfilling. And again, it speaks to this larger loss of purpose. Well, it reminds me, I mean, I use this illustration in one of my uh, messages that I preach, but about the this rat. <laughs> we're back to rodents again, uh, but uh, <laughs> but we're the this rat that they that they put a chip in his brain, and uh, so that when he pushed this this uh, button, he'd feel pleasure. And so they put him in a cage, and they had food there, and you know, nice food for him, and water, and this button that if he'd push it, he'd feel pleasure. And they wanted to see what the rat would do, so they put him in the cage. And he went over and he pushed the button and he pushed the button and he pushed the button until he starved to death. And so I think that's kind of what's happening is that that because there's no significance, because there's no purpose, then the only thing you have less left is to entertain yourself. And then the more you uh, are like that, the, the harder it is to, to, to take risks, the harder it is to push yourself and I, and I think that's part of what we're seeing. And because of the virtual reality that you have now, because of uh, video games and, and uh, all this, this kind of stuff, it makes it harder. It makes it very easy to, to live in this kind of false uh, reality. Yeah, and the, the tagline of the article is, their happiness with simulated worlds is bad news for the real one. Um, and they're starting to realize that they can't compete. The ideals of the real world can't compete with the pleasure of these of this virtual world, um, and even just from a secular perspective, there's consequences. So you can imagine that that when we are created and designed for significance and purpose, the consequences spiritually are are far greater than this. Yeah, and and companies know this. You know, they know that that they they are. They are really designing things to to draw in people. You know, even going back to our previous conversation, a lot of these video games they have the sense of community. You know, I've heard this argument used right, um, right. even by followers of Jesus. And again, I'm not saying video games are evil in, intrinsically, although I think there are a lot better ways to spend your time. 
Uh, but this idea that, well, this is my community, you know, this is how I, and I'm like, man, it, it's, it's similar to that is that video game companies recognize the loneliness in people and they're actually, they're actually building in to their video games, this, these things that make you feel like you're a part of something. And so again, it's a little bit about that loneliness and it's about that lack of purpose. And it's just another sort of general indicator that, that we are really falling apart the further away we move from God and, and his purpose, his design. Yeah. But it's well, really good. It's really good if you're, if you make chips or, or things like that, that you can, like potato you market, chips? Yeah, you can market to the... This. Oh, like Cheetos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Doritos. You know it's been a good day when you're covered in Cheeto dust. <laughs> you know, I sometimes sometimes I feel like just sitting in the basement and playing video games all day you're, as well. You're, you don't have a basement. I don't. Yeah. I don't have a video game. That's the first problem. I would like to and do see, a puzzle I, and drink Earl yes. Grey. <laughs> if I had my way. But anyway, that is the uh, current event edition, instant reaction. Kind of jumped between three topics there, I think, that are very relevant to our daily lives. Uh, Hopefully, this at least started you thinking uh, about what Jesus might think in the midst of of the chaos that is our our world uh, and and the way we are changing love, the way we are changing community, the, the things that we are pouring our lives into. It's clear. We need an awakening even inside of the church, uh, and, and we need to have an encounter with Jesus because we are meant to make a difference. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few, and this isn't right. Uh, and how many workers are taken out because of stupid things like video games? Uh, it's pretty sad. So thanks for listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Send in your questions, comments. Uh, you can send it to Provoke and Inspire at commonlive.com. I'm not sure if we check it, but if we do, we'll get to that. Uh, otherwise, we, you know, we should, <laughs> it might be, we should, maybe we should check it. You think? I don't know. I don't know. We'll think about it. We'll, we'll, hey, I but can't. But send pro- in those questions. I can't promise I'll try, but I'll try to try. So anyway, there well, you have it. He's not checking it because he's so busy on, on the computer watching, playing video yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Pong and uh, petri- <laughs> petrified bone, d- bone dung. <laughs> what? That was a weird hybrid version of what you, <laughs> what you said. But anyway, thanks for listening and uh, stay real, stay fresh, and ride the lightning. Peace. Did you say ride the lighting, lightning at the end? Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.